Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 120. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowden of BleedingGreenNation.com. I am Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. Brandon, we have entered the very boring portion of the offseason, especially uh, since there are no OTAs. In a normal offseason, we would just about be heading to OTAs. There'd be practice notes galore, but this year, not so much. How you doing, buddy? Jimmy, I'm really sad because <laughs> OTAs. I, I really am because OTAs, OTAs are fun. Like, they're fun. Yeah, you get to see you know the team for the first time, really, like the the first edition sure. of the of that team that year in some form. You know, it's a 90 man roster, but still, yeah. So we're not going to get to see that as we usually would this year, and uh, that's a bummer. It's also kind of nice from a just a writer standpoint here, which people don't care about. But or I guess you could loop this into a fan perspective as well, where it's kind of like the the wind down. It's like, all right, you've had the draft and free agency. Now you're rolling into OTAs. You kind of get like a month here of practice. And all of a sudden you get that summer break before training camp. And then it all starts over again. So it's just not going to be the same this year. I always look forward to that, you know, that just that little, that ramping down from OTAs to minicamp to the off period. So not going to be usual. It's just going to be all off period. <laughs> All off period. Until the foreseeable future. We can still talk about OTAs as if they're happening, which is <laughs> right here. Yeah, I mean, they're always – I guess the first day of OTAs for me is always about seeing what I have wrong on my depth chart. Because you kind of get to see how, you know, they, they line everyone up, you know, with the – as you said, the first edition of the uh, new complete roster. And some of the time, like – you know, they just have guys that are clearly not going to be where they are on the depth chart when the season comes around. Like, for example, Jalen Rager probably wouldn't be running with the ones during OTAs. The problem with probably have him with the twos or the threes, have some veterans over him. But you know for sure he's going to be starting. Not for sure, but you, you have a pretty good idea that he's going to be starting when the season comes around. So that's not really super telling. But uh, I think there are other things that you can kind of look at in terms of the first practice of OTAs. And uh, again, like I said, you kind of get to see like whether you have like guys positioned wrongly or you have like maybe even guys playing the wrong position. And by that, I mean, that's more along like the offensive line guys playing guard instead of tackle or something like that. So I guess we'll kind of go through what our biggest questions heading into these non OTAs, (laughs) what they would have been if they were having OTAs. And we'll get into talking about uh, maybe a little bit about uh, we're, we're recording this on Tuesday and on Tuesday morning, uh, Doug Peterson spoke with with us, the media, and it uh, wasn't super revealing. A lot of questions about their communication with players. Who cares? Which, <laughs> like, why, why do we need seven or eight questions about that? So I guess we'll just, what, go position by position? Well, I, I think there's some we can 
skip here. Like, I don't think we need to do tight end. Yeah, right. Of course. Yeah, there are no right where there aren't any questions about, um, you know, what we'd be looking forward to seeing at OTAs. We'll skip that stuff. But I guess maybe we'll start with um, sort of the the position of the off season, the most discussed mm-hmm. position of the position of the off season, which of course would be the wide receiver position. Yeah. Well, even before that, too, I just want to mention just more general than that is the offensive scheme thing. You know, uh, Eagles, yes. obviously, you know, overhauling in some ways their their offensive coaching staff. You know, they bring in Ritz. They, they don't hire a real offensive coordinator in name. They just they promote Press Taylor, the quarterback's coach, to passing game coordinator. They bring in Rich Gangarello who apparently like declined an offensive coordinator title, even though he had it with the Broncos last year. Oh, I hadn't he, seen that. Who, who, who said that? Jeff McLean reported that. Okay. And then, so you have Scangarello as your senior offensive assistant. They bring Marty Bordenweg back as an advisor. They hand, uh, hire Andrew Briner as a pass game analyst. So they, they bring in all these different guys. And there was an interview, I think, recently that went around that Doug Peterson kind of talked about like the offense would look different. This is like last week, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess maybe the Eagles kind of told him to like downplay that or something because he certainly did downplay that when he was interviewed today on Tuesday, March uh, May nineteenth, I should say, not March, and you know said he's not really like don't expect wholesale changes from the offense as much as tweaks. It was maybe taken out of context a bit. Maybe the context mm-hmm. is the wrong way to put it, but like he said, it would be different, and it will be different, I'm sure, but. Not going to be extraordinarily different. Yeah, he specifically said this is an offense that we won the Super Bowl with a couple of years ago, which I don't. I and don't he, really prob- he probably meant that. that a week ago or whatever when he said that, but uh-huh. now he made it very clear on Tuesday that. By the way, you know what I used to love that reporters used to do when you ask a question and uh, they give an answer like during a press conference, then later they'll say. Doug Peterson told me, <laughs> and then I'll say whatever he said during the press conference, as if like you know they were sitting down to lunch together, and, mm-hmm. and Doug Peterson told you know in this private conversation whatever, he, whatever. So Doug Peterson told me today that there won't be wholesale changes in the offensive scheme. It'll just be yes. more subtle changes. Yes, he told me it would be like more along the screen game and uh, the run game a little bit. And what was the other example that he gave? Play action. Play action. He told me play action. He didn't tell you. He just told me play action. Yes. But otherwise, he said that the scheme that's already in place won a championship for him. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves as a head coach. Yeah. Although, you know, I will say the offense has clearly needed some, I think, a breath of fresh air the past couple of years. I think they, and it's needed talent too, but I feel like, you know, they could afford new perspective. And, and they added that. Uh, with some guys, you know, they brought in. So we'll see how that goes. That's one thing I just, you know, would kind of be interesting to to see if OTs were happening. Like if we see some kind of new wrinkles, you know, for as much as you can see that in this kind of setting, I just, you know, I think that would be certainly an interesting thing to look at. The, the interesting thing to me was like, so I guess the fan reaction to, you know, that Doug saying that there won't be wholesale changes. Like when Doug told me that there, that, <laughs> that there wouldn't be wholesale changes to his offensive scheme, you know, a lot of people put that out on Twitter. And most of the replies were like, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, really? Mm-hmm. We're not, they're not going to change the skate? Well, yeah, I mean, the the offense last year, of course, went station to station and they had these long 10 plus play drives whenever they scored. And I fully agree that that's not the way that you want to play football in the NFL. And it's unsustainable to, to, to play that way. And 
your chances of success aren't great when you have to play that way. But they had to play that way because of the personnel, not because they necessarily wanted to play that way. On that topic, Jimmy, the Eagles have added a lot of talent and well, or, or talent slash speed at wide receiver. Yes. And uh, there's a lot of different question marks there. So, you know, doing my show notes for this show here, I have a lot of questions. And do you want me just to rattle them yeah, all rattle off? Yeah, rattle them off. Okay. So, first of all, you know, imagine just we're going into OTAs here. We're going into if it's raining, we're going to the practice bubble for kind of useless practice. If it's <laughs> nice, we're outside. We're looking at things. I'm wondering, is Alshon Jeffrey even around? Is Deshaun Jackson fully healthy? Like, is he is he practicing? And not just him, but, you know, other guys too. Like, who's all even practicing here? Uh, is Dylan Rager getting those first team reps that you kind of talked about earlier? Oh, and yeah. if he is, like, where? Like, where is he lining up? Yes. Is, is J.J. Arthiga white side, like, showing any kind of, like, progress? Is he looking better somehow at all? Who's who's playing in the slot? Is it Greg Ward? Uh, where does Marquise Goodwin fit in? Like, where's he lining up? And are Quez Watkins and John Hightower showing, like, anything early on, any kind of juice? So, I feel like a lot of questions there from the jump. For sure, the wide receiver position would be the one that we'd be watching, focusing on heavily. I mean, because you're not going to really care much about – Jalen Hurts and what he's doing in practice, because as Doug mentioned, we'll get to this later, but as Doug mentioned, he's probably going to be the uh, the third quarterback, at least initially during the 2020 season with Nate being the two. But the wide receiver position, there's all kinds of things to, to look out for, everything you mentioned. For me, it would be kind of the, the biggest thing would be, how does Jalen Rager look? And as you mentioned, where is he lining up? So there, I think there are two scenarios with the Eagles sort of starting three uh, at wide receiver. And Deshaun's going to start, obviously, if he's healthy. And then opposite him, you know, is it J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who would be sort of the more, and this is assuming, you know, either Alshon is either gone or still not recovered from his injury. The Alshon, or J.J. Ortega-Whiteside would fit sort of the body type of the X receiver, whereas Deshaun would obviously fit more of the, the uh, Z receiver type. And Rager sort of fits more the Z receiver type, obviously, um, having similar traits as, as Deshaun. And then the slot receiver, the obvious choice there, if you're just going by like sort of what they've done in the league so far and you know what their skill set is, he's the slot receiver. So where does that leave Rager? So like Rager's definitely going to play. So is he in there instead of J.J. Ortega-Whiteside at the X position? Or does he fit in as the slot and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is starting at the X? So I think there's a weird sort of like when I was trying to figure out like what would camp battles be at the start of OTAs? There really are none as far as the starters go, but the one that you can make an argument for would, I guess there are, there, there's one. The, the only one that I, that I would say that, that is a camp battle would be a wide receiver. And I think it would kind of be Ortega Whiteside versus Greg Ward. And then whichever one of those two looks more, it looks more able to, to be productive in the offense then they play. And then you kind of, figure out where Rager slots in as a result. I wanted to ask Doug today where what what kind of plans that they had for Rager. I, I didn't get called on, which is annoying. So like I had my hand raised for the whole thing. They didn't call me. So like I was pretty annoyed at the end of the uh the end of the press conference. But I was gonna ask him where you know sort of what their plans were for Rager, if they were gonna gonna train him specifically in one spot or if they're gonna cross train him at X Z slot uh, like they did a year ago unsuccessfully with our Arthago Whiteside. I think they're kind of hope my guess is they're kind of hoping JJ can kind of step up and be in Alshon's role. I don't know if that's really a wise bet. I, I don't think that's a wise bet. <laughs> but <laughs> well, I mean hoping hoping that he that he can do it is fine. 
planning for him to be there is mm-hmm. not wise, I would say. Yeah, I just I don't know. Like, I don't, and, that, and that's this is what we're missing out on. Like, it's just I just don't know. Like, there's there's so many different variables here because, like, you know, Goodwin too. Like, he's not a lock to make the team. He's a vet. Like, you know, and, and like Doug Peterson said today, specifically about quarterback. But like, they're going to rely on these veteran yes. players. I feel like a little bit more. So the fact that he has that experience like gives him a leg up. I feel like on some of the younger guys, like like Watkins or Hightower. So like, I really wonder where he's going to be. Um, again, I. Is Deshaun even fully healthy? Like, do we know that for sure? You know, he's coming off this surgery. I- I've seen no videos of Alshon, you know, recovering at all, you know, and kind of like posting himself working out. Maybe I've missed that, but I-, I don't think I've seen any of those. Like, I just think there's there's so many question marks at this position still, and uh, it's it's a shame <laughs> we don't have OTAs to figure it out. And especially just because this is such like an OTA position, you know, what I- like yes, you know, you, you can't, you're right. not getting, you're not getting like. <laughs> You can't you know, watch O line, D line play in shorts, but you can see yeah. you can see little glimpses of you know when they do one on ones and whatever else seven on sevens. You can see at least competition between the wide receivers and corners, even if they're in, even if they're not in pads. Yeah, so it's a bummer we're not getting that. Another thing though, Jim, we yes. will be looking at, or would be looking at, I should say, is the quarterback situation. Is it time to bench Carson Wentz for Jalen Hurts already? <laughs> yes, clearly. Okay, that's good. Uh, so one of the biggest things to come out of Doug Peterson's press conference or conference call, whatever you want to call it today, was the shocking revelation that Nate Sudfeld is in a good spot to be the number two quarterback. Although he didn't even guarantee that Sudfeld was going to be that guy. He's, Doug Peterson specifically said that Sudfeld has to earn the backup spot. He's earned the right to compete for that. Or, you know, if it's going to be Jalen Hurts. Uh, and Jimmy, you from the jump have been saying that how are you really going to make Jalen Hurts your number two quarterback early on, especially if he's not even going to get any offseason reps or limited offseason reps? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like I, I, even wanted, I went so far as to say that, you know, he might be inactive even on game day, which right. if he's going to be the number three quarterback, then he probably will be. I mean, and, unless, you know, you're under the impression that he's going to have some sort of, and this is already an annoying phrase, but quote unquote, Taysom Hill role, hmm. like, which I don't see at all. So I, I think he actually probably will be inactive on on game day early in the season, at least. And you know, as 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 we've mentioned over and over again, it's going to be a very shortened off season, which not only hurt hurts hurts, which not only hurts hurts <laughs> in terms of being able to get up to speed just on the number of practices that they have, but because the practices are going to be so limited, you're going to see Carson Wentz getting more reps. Then the backups, then, you know, they normally, the, the backups will get fewer reps during each individual practice than I think they would uh, during a, a normal, like full OTA, full mini camp, full training camp, full off season, then it, because you really got to get your starter up to speed first and foremost. So I think Wentz is going to eat up more practice reps on a day-to-day basis whenever they get, whenever they start practicing again, you know, if they start practicing again, uh, then, then, so I think he's going to get more, a higher percentage of the reps than he would in other years, which is going to further hurt uh, hurts his chances of, of sort of getting up to speed in time. I would also, you know, be looking out, we'd all be looking out to see if they were going to do any kind of creativity with Hertz in OTAs, any kind of, you know, these Taysom Hill, whatever, two quarterback, whatever you want to call it, packages, yeah. uh, obviously would be a, a big, I mean, you tweet that out, you tweet that, you know, while you're watching that and you get, just watch, you know, the retweets uh, rack up there <laughs> right. and then get people asking you for video. I'll, unfortunately, probably wouldn't be able to shoot video at that point in the practice. Um, but yeah, so I think the the Sudfeld thing is like the way Doug Peterson talked about it and kind of leaning on experience 
you know, there's sense to that. And again, that if Jahertz isn't getting these offseason reps, like he's not going to be the backup immediately. Although I think, you know, Sudfeld's obviously on a short lease. You know, if, if it gets to the season, you know, and Sudfeld is struggling, like he might get the first crack at backing up Wentz. I've a, I've a Nate Sudfeld trivia question for you. Sorry to cut you off. Okay, go for it. How many number two, if, if we're assuming Nate is the two, how many number two quarterbacks in the NFL have a longer tenure on their respective teams than Nate Sudfeld? Hmm. It's probably not a lot because... Wait, so you're saying him as the number two? Or well, okay, so, the- okay, forget forget Nate as the number two. How many other number two how many number how many two number twos around the league have been on their current roster longer than Nate Sudfeld has been with the Eagles? Yeah, it's probably not many. It might be none. Is it none? It's not none. Okay. Is it like three? It is four, I think. Okay. I'll take it. I don't remember who they were. I rem- I know one of them was uh Schaub, Matt Schaub. Yeah. yeah. Falcons. Jeez, he's still around, huh? <laughs> Before the cow, oh no! Well, the cow. I guess Cooper Rush was one that had more mm-hmm. tenure, but he's not there too anymore. Obviously, uh, he's I, on their I, roster. I forget yeah. the other ones, but uh, he's. But I guess the point being here is he's been on the team since 2017. I guess they mm-hmm. signed him what like September of 2017. So he was he didn't have a full off season in 2017, but he's had two full off seasons with the team, mm-hmm. three full seasons with the team, heading into his third off season with the Eagles. So. He knows that he, he I mean he he knows the scheme, he knows the playbook. Uh certainly far more advanced in that department than a guy like Hertz. Yeah. Uh so I think, you know, he's he's a guy from the jump, but if you know Sudfeld were to struggle or whatever, you know, it's not like they're gonna be, I think, super slow to put in Hertz at some point. There. <laughs> right. It's not like they're gonna be like, Well, this guy if he if he's bad, they're not gonna be like, Well, this guy sucks, but he knows the playbook, so we're not gonna put in the better player in front of him. Yeah. And uh, also I just wonder like I wonder if they would bring Josh McCown back at some point. I wonder if the door is totally closed on him. Just because, like, isn't that, like, kind of the perfect guy to help mentor Jalen Hurts there? And it, it, if you need someone in a pinch. And, like, what if they don't really trust Nate Sudfeld, ultimately? I mean, he, we pointed out, like, he took a pay decrease from he had last year. Like, what if they just trust McCown more uh, if it's in with the thinking that, okay, like, he's our backup quarterback for the first couple games of the season. And then... You know, at a certain point, Hertz will just be ready to take over later in the season. So that's something. So I think like bringing McCown back, I would not bring him back as a player. I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use a roster spot on that guy. But if you want to bring him back as some sort of consultant or some kind of assistant coach, by all means, yeah, all mm-hmm. day. We'll do offensive line, then we'll take a break here, Jimmy. You know what? Why don't we take a quick break here because we're at the twenty-minute mark, and then we'll come back at offensive line. Back into this. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on BGN Radio 120, Brindley Gelton, Jimmy Kemsky, talking to you about the Eagles' offensive line. Andre Dillard, Jason Peters, who's going to be the Eagles' left tackle in 2020? Jimmy, what's your takeaway after listening to Doug Peterson? <laughs> yeah, so uh, it sounded good for Dillard the way you know Doug talked about him. And then when you sort of listen back to what he actually said, I didn't think it looked that good for him at all. <laughs> like really, like mm. because he mentioned that. Well, first of all, he confirmed that the team has been talking with Peters, 
and he said consistently all, all off season long, we said we would keep in touch with him. And we have is, is basically what he said. And then when he got to Dillard, he said that they have a ton of confidence in him. Um, he's everything that they want in a player. In, like his fit is, is his skill set and his fit is, you know, what they're looking for in their left tackle, everything that coach Stoutland, uh, that's Doug's phrasing. I would never call a coach, coach, whatever, <laughs> but like everything that Jeff Stoutland talks about, preaches about what they are as an offense. He fits that. Uh, he understands that, you know, strength is a big part of playing offensive line and that he's working on getting stronger in the off season. And then he said something to the, uh, let me pull it up here. The quote at the end, he said, uh, oh, he also said Wentz has a ton of confidence and uh, and that's how we're proceeding moving forward. So that last like phrase and that last sentence, that's how we're proceeding moving forward. Like you can take that a lot of different ways. It's it's an interesting phrase. I don't know if it was Doug just wrapping up his thought and sort of saying like, okay, I'm ready for the next question. But like Possible. it, the problem with these Zoom meetings is you can't just jump in and get a follow up question in and get clarity on whatever he said because you just sit there and you wait until you get called upon to ask your question. So there was never any follow up on that. So I don't know what that phrase meant. But here's what here's what Doug, you know, he, here's what Doug didn't say for Dillard. He said Dillard played last season. Left out that he never that he didn't play well, <laughs> right? Like normally when he talks about players, he said they're they're good. Like the, he says how good they were for him. He said that he played. He didn't say that he played well. And then he, he like the, the part about where he said he's got to work on it, like he's working on his strength. That wasn't part of the question. Like that just mm-hmm. came up unprompted. I mean, that's sort of like we all know that. Dillard has to get stronger. Like he gets killed by bull rushes. And then in turn, when he's overcompensating for, you know, expecting the bull rush, he can get beat with speed. But it all starts with the bull rush and his strength. And if you don't have that, you're really in trouble in the NFL. Thirdly, you know, obviously just going back to he's they they said they're still talking to Peters. So if they yeah. are truly, you know, unanimous confidence in Dillard, then you know, they already have their their Jason Peters big send off like he's a hall of famer like he like he's they'd have like a you know two three page uh you know transcript that they put like they'd have like a mailer out to everyone's email they put something out on social media probably take out like an ad in the paper none of that was done it was just basically like jason peters and the team have mutually agreed that he's going to test free agency and that was it so like the idea that a they're still talking to jason peters and might bring him back and b they have a ton of confidence in dillard those two things can't both be true. Clayton Thorson played in the preseason last year, Jimmy. Okay. He I, he played. Yes. Was it? I, I didn't say it was well. I'm just saying he played. <laughs> With the Dillard thing, yeah. I mean, I think this is the strongest they've come out in support of him. That's, though, in that's some also ways. true. So they, they, you're right. I, I agree with that. But still. Yes. But ultimately, to me, it comes back to the Peters thing. I mean – Derek Gunn literally said it's a matter of time until they want him back. So I don't understand right. why we're pretending like like there's zero chance it's going to happen. Like like Derek Gunn is saying that. Like yeah. He, Derek Gunn is basically saying – and then since then, we've heard like Adam Schefter and I think Ian Rappaport both talk about how the Eagles are in talks with them. And then Doug Peterson even confirmed it. Like, And <laughs> right. he didn't need to do that. He confirmed. Well, he said you know that was always the plan. But why was that always the plan? That wouldn't be just – it's like – just this the this put on that like it would be a bonus if he returned is like nonsense. He's not returning to be a backup. Uh, th- that's kind of how they have to set it. They have to set it up that way. Oh sure, they but have like, to. They can whatever. Yeah, but like as you know, if you're reading into this, like 
that's not how you should be taking it. Right. It's just not yes. like a real thing. Like, they can't say Dillard sucks, so we're bringing Peters back. <laughs> yeah, if they want Jason Peters back, it's not just because like, oh, well, like, it just happened to work out. And this was a great opportunity. Like, n- no, it's because they thought he was the best option all along. It's And it's it's not, he's not Jason Peters is not coming as a, as a backup. He's not coming to play guard. Right. That's not happening. Yes. If he's back, he's going to be the left tackle, the starting left tackle. Uh, yeah, so that that all that is, uh, I, I'm so expecting them to re-sign Jason Peters. We both had him on our 53-man roster projection that we went over recently. I just think Derek Gunn said it will be a matter of time, which we'll see. But uh, the some of the other things I wanted to get to on the offensive line, Jimmy, that we would be looking at or should be looking out yes. for if we were watching practice. It's like, who's the first? Up at right guard with Brandon Brooks out. It's probably Matt Pryor, but you know, I just want to see it. You know, yeah. it's like something I'd want to see. Also, you know, and what if there's like a rotation there? You know, what if they give someone else like some reps in there too? Because maybe they really like Jack Driscoll. I, I did want to know, Jimmy, number sixty-three for Jack Driscoll. It doesn't feel like a doesn't feel like a prime offensive tackle number to me. It feels like an interior <laughs> offensive line number. Uh, yeah, could be I, I, would, I would agree with that. I mean, obviously, 60s can be offensive tackles. Lane Johnson is yeah. 65. But I'm with you. I think 63, 63 looks more interior aligned to me than it, than tackle. I'll agree with you there. So I'd, I'd like to see, regardless of where he is, I'd just like to see what position <laughs> I think he's going. I, think, I actually think he's going to be more interior O-line Driscoll is mm-hmm. than, than, than tackle. Because, he. I mean, he did play guard at, uh, at Auburn. And... Uh, yep. If I recall, he's got like little T-Rex arms, which uh yes. not good for tackle position. Uh who is the swing tackle on this team? Like <laughs> who is it? Because <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. Uh especially assuming, you know, obviously Jason Peters isn't on the roster right now. So assuming it's Dillard and Johnson taking the starting reps, like who is that guy? Because we don't we don't really is there even a true swing tackle? Yeah, maybe it's just a might. combo of guys that uh that fell in. I mean, Driscoll played right tackle and yep. um Let's say so. Let's say they don't sign JP back. Then Dillard's your starting yes. left tackle, and then I think Mylotta makes the team in that scenario, and he's probably your backup left tackle. Yep. And then if JP does come back, and you know Dillard is now on the bench again, obviously he's your backup left tackle. You know, fill in the blanket. You know, because it's not Dillard. Dillard's not your backup right tackle, as we learned last year. So that could be either Driscoll or maybe a guy like Matt Pryor who can kick out the right tackle as well, or in theory can kick out the right tackle. And then there's Prince Tega Winogo. Yes. Like, is he healthy even? You know, because he had the injuries leading up to the pre-draft. Yes. Like, is he even ready to like practice right now? We don't know that. Like, I guess like that's not like so. All there's a lot of different things up there. If if you're looking for a guy who like fits the profile of the guy who can play both sides, right tackle and left tackle, it would be Tega Winogo. Mm-hmm. It would be him. Because, he again, he did both at Auburn as well. He's closer to, like, a big V than, than anyone else on the roster. Big V, you know, fifth-round pick when he came out. So, uh, you know, Winogo is a six. Big V struggled mightily as a rookie. <laughs> Got better each year as, as he went along. So, you know, maybe, I think they may be looking at some growing pains there, no matter who they have to go to. Uh, Big V was, you know, kind of a nice security blanket for the Eagles for for a number of years. And now that he's gone, that's definitely a question mark heading into the season. I want to finish up with the offense here, Jimmy, by looking at running back. Obviously, we know Miles Sanders is the guy there. But there's been talk out there that the Eagles could add a veteran running back. They've specifically been connected to Carlos Hyde, yep. Devonta Freeman, and some guy named LaShawn McCoy. Who's your guy of the three? It would have to be Hyde. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I'll, I'll stand by Isaiah Crowell 
to the that's to the, true to the death. But uh, you know, if he's not one of the options, then I would say of those three players, I would also take Hyde. Two hundred thirty pounds, nice inside runner. Think uh, and not that Sanders can't run inside, but I think they mm-hmm. need sort of that inside between the tackles banger to sort of eat up carries uh, when they have nice leads against teams in the second half and also sort of be that complementary power back to the more explosive Sanders. Yeah, just a guy really you can trust too to like handle volume if, you know, Sanders were to get hurt. Like you can you can trust Carlos Hyde to like be your top running back, um, your, or at least your 1A in the rotation. And uh, obviously coming off a career year with the Texans there, he's had some fumble issues in the past, so that's not great. But um, and he's he's probably looking for his price tag. You know, he's probably looking for hey, a thousand higher. yards last year. Yeah, he did. Like surprisingly, like I feel like he has had a better season than people realize, considering he's still out there in the market. Um, but yeah, I, I think he makes the most sense. I like Freeman if he was like healthy, but <laughs> that's not a guarantee coming off an injury. Um, that's been an issue for him, and I just don't even know if like he might be cooked just in terms of if you look at his lack of production. And then Shady, obviously, just no, that's not. I don't think the right option considering age and and all of that. Yeah, I wonder if they're just sort of waiting for that price tag to come down a little bit for Hyde. Probably. Yeah, and, and you know, what's the uh, what's the rush? And to, to play it like they're playing it, where you make yourself rumored in all these guys, kind of helps your leverage. Like, hey, <laughs> right, right. we'll just sign the other right. guy. You sign somewhere else, who cares? Deal. Yeah, yeah, we'll get one of yeah. these other guys, yeah. So uh, I think that would be a nice ad, just because you have Sanders, then you have Hyde or whoever. And he can catch the ball a little bit, too. Hyde. Yeah. He actually had his most receptions ever in a single season when Rich Scangarello was the 49ers quarterbacks coach. Okay. And Hyde was still in San Francisco. You know how many they were? There's a little connection there, too. You know how many he had? Oh, what's that? Do you know how many he had? Not off the top of my head, James. But it was like a lot more than his other years. Because you don't really think of him as a uh, you know prototypical pass-catching running back. And that year like sticks out. Ah, oh, there it is. 59. You're right. Yeah, 59. Yeah. Not a lot of yards on that. <laughs> he had 5.9 yards per catch, so 59 yeah. catches for 350. Um, but yeah, he, he but he has the ability to catch the ball a little bit. Like he he can mm-hmm. do sort of the easy things in the passing game, sort of like Jordan Howard did. I thought Jordan right. Howard was okay as a receiver last year. Like you're not lining him up in the slot and having him run slants and stuff like that, but just as, as sort of a safety valve or getting him the ball in screens and stuff like that. You know, he was able to do that. He made a really nice catch in yeah, one game, if I recall, right? You make like a one-handed catch or, uh, probably. A, or a, real, a really low catch. Like you kind of picked yes, it up off the, just about off the turf. But uh, yeah, I thought he was fine as a receiver last year. That's all. He, so they need a guy that can at least do that for you. Why don't we take another break here, Jimmy, before we move over to the defense. Back after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here on BGN Radio 120, talking about the defensive things we'd like to be watching at Eagles OTAs if they were happening where would you start with, Jimmy? Well, I think the most interesting area is corner because you have some movement there. You know, obviously they, they trade for Slay. He's going to be your starter. <laughs> you know, he's your, he's your cornerback one. They move Jalen Mills from, from cornerback to safety. You lose Malcolm Jenkins, or not lose, you cut Malcolm Jenkins. You have Ronnie McLeod coming back. You have a, an interesting fourth round rookie in Kayvon Wallace. 
And then you have uh, sort of a, you know, it's more of a mystery to, to others than, than, in my opinion, to me. Uh, I don't think it's really much, much of a mystery at all. I think your starting corner on the outside opposite Slay right now, unless they add somebody else, is Avante Maddox. And then mm-hmm. in the slot, you have a guy that they added um, in free agency. And Brandon, you want to give it a shot? Nicole Roby Coleman. There you go. Good job, buddy. You're cool. getting better. So that's kind of how I see it. I see it as Slay. Maddox, Nicole Roby Coleman, and then at safety. I think initially you have McLeod and Mills. I wouldn't rule out Wallace. I think Wallace is going to play quickly in the NFL, and I wonder if at some point he will become a starter in 2020. But uh, th- those are sort of the, 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 the guys in question. You also kind of have Sidney Jones is just kind of lurking, and then you have Razul Douglas, who, to my surprise – Took a substantial pay cut to stay with the team. Yep. Who reported? Was that the, Zangaro had that? I think it was Mike K. BGN. Oh, Mike K. You're right. Yeah, Mike K. What did Zangaro have recently? He had, he had something. Uh, the, their undrafted rookie free agent. Numbers. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. The signing Guarantees. bonuses and whatnot. Yeah. So, sorry, Mike. Mike had the uh, Razul. <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. so he was going to make, Razul was going to count for $2.3 million, And there's no way they were going to pay him that because he got like a mm-hmm. playing time bonus in his fourth year. That's that's kind of cooked into the CBA. They weren't going to pay that. They would have saved two point one if they cut or traded him. But they get him to take a pay cut. So good for the Eagles on that one. But he's pretty much your fourth outside, not even fourth corner. But I would say like sixth corner on the on the roster, fourth outside corner. So those guys are still just kind of there. How do you do? You, do you kind of see the uh, the secondary shaping up the same way? Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's clearly Maddox. I think a lot of people. Are going to be surprised by that for some reason? Like I think people are just you know like penning in. He's small, Sydney. Oh, you know, that yeah, I understand that. But I'm just saying in terms of like what they've been telling us, um, like it's not going to be Sydney Jones. And yes. I think people think it is. I mean, and Sydney I think could win that job down the road. I don't think that's impossible. But he's not going to just have it from the jump. And uh, I guess so. What I would want to be looking at is if they split those reps at all, though, because that's possible. You know, maybe they could. It could be mostly Maddox, but they might put Sydney out there for a little bit. Um, I also want to see how Jalen Mills is being used exactly. I think maybe we shouldn't discount the possibility that, you know, if Wallace kind of does take a big step forward, like immediately, maybe he kind of becomes the guy there and uh, Jalen Mills goes back to corner on the outside. I think you can't, you know. No, it's not a crazy thought at all. Not at all. Especially if Maddox struggles or whoever struggles, then yeah, I mean, he's, 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 he's been a starter at cornerback for four years now. So why not? Uh, and also Will Parks kind of want to see how, you know, as all these positionless players, like where exactly are they lining up? You know, is there kind of some kind of rotation? I forgot Will often? Parks. Ugh. Yep. My bad. So I, w- I want to see all that. That's why I'd be looking. There's, there's so many things to look at there. Kind of just like the receiver position or these guys, like, you know, where are they lining up? That's kind of also uh, what I'm thinking about with the secondary. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, there's, they actually have a decent amount of depth. They are really relying on Darius Slay. <laughs> I mean, yes. like if he goes down, then they're pretty much back to where they were a year ago in terms of their speed on the outside and their ability to, you know, kind of uh, defend against big plays down the field, and also minus Malcolm Jenkins at the same time too. So mm. yeah, it's uh, secondary is in big trouble if if Slay. Go- I've been watching a lot of Slay, by the way. I've been trying to get an article out about him and. I just have so much more to, to go because I've been trying to find like every target that he had his way mm-hmm. in uh, last in, year in, in 2019. Yeah. Okay. So unfortunately, what that means is I have to watch basically every snap from the Lions season on defense. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so that's been rough and it's taken a long time. 
But here's here's my takeaway on Slay so far from what I've seen. He's by far the best cover corner on the Eagles. Like it's not even close. So like, which isn't saying anything, right? Yes. Right. I mean, it's not, it wasn't a high bar to clear, but he is a legitimately good cover corner. So you got a guy yeah. that, that can cover good wide receivers that you didn't really have before. They have that now. The other major takeaway that I have is that, and this may be because he was playing for the Lions. He didn't like his head coach clearly, so maybe it'll be different in Philadelphia. But mm. good lord, I have never seen a player just not want to tackle as much as he does. It's crazy. Some of the, like some of the, especially on run plays, he just, he basically just invites the wide receiver. Like, like come on, come on, block me. Come, come, come here. Come on, man. Come, come block me. So I don't have to get into this. So I don't have to get into this play. There's a lot of that going on. And then he's just actively avoiding contact as far as tackling goes. That is not going to fly if he's not making plays otherwise. Something to keep an eye on for sure. <laughs> yes. So, again, like I said, maybe that's different in Philadelphia with a team that's actually good uh, or at least far better than the Lions are uh, and, a, and a head coach that you know most players seem to want to play for as opposed to one in Detroit where the opposite is sort of true. Let's hit on defensive end because you wanted to touch on that before we wrap up with linebackers. Yes. Jimmy. What did you have in mind? Well, so you mentioned fourth defensive end. Yeah, you know, Obviously, Brandon Graham yeah. and Derek Burnett are your starters there. Well, who's your number three? Well, Josh is just... Sweat is clearly going to be a second line defensive end, mm-hmm. right? So, you yes. know, we'll see if like they they bring back like a Vinnie Carey or they add somebody else. But uh, I, I would say Griffin. that it's a pretty good bet that Sweat is going to. And you know, I think he played reasonably well enough in that role last year. Uh, it's just a matter of who is that fourth defensive end if they don't add somebody because I don't think it's Jannard Avery. I think Jannard mm-hmm. Avery is sort of like a. And I don't know, I don't know how to describe him, but I so Specialist. when I when I he, yeah he's just kind of like a uh, I mean they they put him in that Joker role a little bit last year. Is I think he he's more of like a linebacker. I think they should try. I think they should play him as a linebacker and sort of try to develop him there because if you know he's coming as a pass rusher, he's pretty easy to neutralize because he's all mm-hmm. he's got thirty like he's got super short arms. So he's got a big disadvantage there, and he's you know he's he's short. He's like six like foot. six foot two fifty. Yeah, so he's really easy to like. He, he just one just watching him like in games, he looks substantially smaller than like. I mean, it's a big difference between him and whatever offensive tackle he's going against. And he's not like he's obviously very athletic, or else he wouldn't be in the league at that size. But he's not so. You know, he doesn't have so much burst around the edge where he's just smoking guys, or you know, around the corner. Like he's a guy that like. I think you kind of have to disguise him if you're going to rush the passer with him. And in that Joker role, they can do that. But I think they also have to prove that he can, you know, that he can drop into coverage and that he can play the run as well. Or else, if you know he's coming, like I said, he's pretty easy to he's pretty easy to neutralize. But as it, like when you when you're able to disguise him, he's great at, at getting to the quarterback in, in those scenarios. It's just hard. Figure, I think it's going to be a challenge for them to figure out ways that they can sick him on the quarterback. But as far as like. Uh, like a three down defensive end. So like at some point, like Brandon Graham and Derek Burnett are going to have to come off the field on like first and 10 or like if they're they're on the field for a while. And a lot of times, like on the third or fourth drive, they'll have like that sort of that second team defensive line. He can't be on the field for that because he can't, he's not going to be able to defend the run because he just gets 
basically enveloped by whoever's blocking them and just blow them off the line of scrimmage. They didn't use them at all in that. The Eagles didn't use them at all in that way last year. It was basically all on passing downs. So I don't think he's sort of that quote unquote DE4. I think they're going to either have to add somebody or somebody else is going to have to step up, whether it be like a Sharif Miller or I think Joe Osmond's kind of like a similar guy as like Jannard Avery and that he's sort of that stand up mm-hmm. Joker role type guy. You know, Deshaun Hall is going to be out probably for the beginning part of the season. What was that, an Achilles or an ACL? ACL, right? Yeah, ACL. So he's going to be out for a while recovering for that. I don't think you can depend on him to be the, the DE4. So that'd be another area where I think they could add another player, whether it's Curry or somebody else. As you mentioned, you know, Everson Griffin's out there. Uh, I don't think you're going to see Clowney because it's going to be too expensive. Um, yeah. Who else? Who else is out there? Obviously, Ngakwe is a... Uh, if it's been rumored all off season, I don't see that happening. Uh, Jim Schwartz's former number five overall pick, Ezekiel Ansah. Okay, is out there. They didn't seem to show much interest in him last off season. That when he was available, yeah, and he was hurt. He's been hurt, so might not even be like a real option. He might just be like Dunzo. So he didn't really do anything with Seattle, but but yeah, they need. I, I just don't think that position is great. You know, when, kind of when we were assessing the roster, like it's not dire, but it's not as good as it really like could be like you, you want to ideally, you know, it's, it's a spot where you want to be like really good, like really kind of elite if you can. Yeah. I just don't think they're, they, they have that. They have like decent depth there. Like they're not going to be abysmal at defensive end. Like I don't think that's a worry, but uh, I just don't think they have like the true impact players you would ideally like there. Although I really do love Joe Osman's just huge arms that are exploding <laughs> off his body. And uh, he like was that, like, huh? yeah, man, before before he got hurt last <laughs> he year. He would have made the I don't team know. last year, almost certainly, if he yeah. didn't, if I mean, he didn't at get the, hurt. At the least, I think he can be like a beast on special teams. So, uh, But yeah, he had some, I feel like he had some good pass rush moves too. They, they, spin move there. They do. Y'all, he was killing Mylotta all throughout camp on that, with that spin yeah. move. Mylotta couldn't handle it, which yep. is also kind of a funny matchup because Osman, like like Avery, isn't a big guy. And Mylotta's huge. So it was, you know, it's, it was, uh, it's it's funny to watch like a smaller guy just destroying a guy like Mylotta day after day. Yep. It was it was like almost like every day in camp. Yep. What, what I will say about like where you mentioned that they don't, they, they, you know, they aren't a lead or really anything close to it with with Barnett and Graham at, at defensive end. They do have a chance to be that at defensive tackle. So at least sure. at defensive end, whoever's in there, they're going to get favorable matchups. You think they're going to get a lot of one on ones anyway. Um, because offensive opposing offenses are going to give more attention to that interior defensive line. At least if uh, Cox becomes, you know, sort of regains his form as as that elite player that he was at one time down year last year, and then if Malik Jackson is able to come back, and then I think Javon Hargrave is really good. So if those guys are what the Eagles hope they are, then that'll make life easier on the defensive ends to make plays, and they really really need Derek Barnett to step up this season because you got Brandon Graham who's 32 years old. They got a lot of needs up and down the roster. So like if, if Barnett or I'm sorry, if Graham like sort of falls off over the next year or two, and then you don't want to have to find two defensive starters if like Barnett just isn't cutting it. So they really need him to, to sort of take his game to the next level. So they're only looking for one, uh, you know, starting defensive end over the next, and maybe Josh Sweat steps up, who knows, but can't count on that. But they really can't be looking for two defensive end starters. And one they can handle, two is not a, two is not ideal. Another thing I would be looking for if we were watching practice at OTs would be, you know, what's going on with the linebacker situation here? Because who are, you, who, are your, who are your two starters there? Yeah, it's probably Nate Gary and TJ Edwards. I think that's, you know, probably the safe bet. But like, is that 100% the answer? 
And then, you know, how does Dutavis Brown slash Duke Riley, who isn't really chopped liver. I think some people kind of just dismiss him. I mean, the Eagles made him their special teams captain. Yes. For the Seahawks game. Like, that's kind of rare. I yeah, think. I mean, he was a midseason addition. They, they traded him, like, what, week two? Or traded for him? Because Cyprian made the – was that, wait, was that was before after. the season began or is it after the season began? No, was it was after, after the, the season uh, began because he was on the Falcons when they played them. Correct. Yeah. So and but they took away the captaincy from Kamu, basically, who had gone on the IR. <laughs> right. And they gave it to Duke Riley. So <laughs> right. like, you know, he's on chopped liver there. Like they're giving that to him for a reason. He's probably I like I think that Duke Riley's in a good spot to make the team. I don't know if they'll play on defense at all. But then you also have um uh, Davion Taylor. Like, you know, how much are the Eagles gonna try to get him involved right away too? And then Sean Bradley, too, they drafted. So just really kind of curious, you know, what's going on with that linebacker position as a whole. Yeah, I would agree that the starters are probably Gary and uh, and Edwards. Edwards is another guy that I looked at. He's awesome against the run. Like, he's really physical. And, uh, like, he's not going to, like, run sideline to sideline um, in the passing game or even, uh, like, it, like, like guys like, you know, Jalen Smith or Leighton Van Der Esch with the Cowboys. But he's really physical, takes on lead blocks like a champ, like I'll take on – they, the Eagles actually played a surprising number of teams that that used fullbacks last year. Because <laughs> like when I watched TJ Edwards, it was boom, like slamming in the fullback after fullback, like game after game, uh, and then like you know isn't afraid to mix it up with with offensive linemen. And I, I thought I saw a lot out of him in the run game, but they only put him in the game in situations where the other team was likely to run. So like if you look at his snap count splits, I think he yeah. played he played like a hundred something snaps in the regular season. On, with the regular defense, that is. And um, I think it was, it was somewhere around like 70% of those snaps were run, were run plays. So, like, he does, he's kind of untested in the passing game. And, you know, it was something that he did, you know, well enough in college at Wisconsin because he had a high number of interceptions. He has a decent number of uh, pass breakups. So I think he's, he's going to be okay in zone coverage. But if you ask him to cover a linebacker or, or uh, a running back man to man, that's where you know he's sort of untested in the NFL, and I think uh, there's there's a chance he could really struggle in that area because he just isn't very athletic and he isn't very fast. So they they avoided having him be in those situations. But obviously, if he's going to be one of the top two linebackers, teams are going to try to they're they're going to test him at some point, and I wonder how he'll hold up there. So no OTAs this year, unfortunately. Very disappointing. <laughs> the NFL is slowly reopening back up in the sense of like some of these team facilities are opening up uh, where it's legal and it's only for non-essential or it's like it's not like players yet and, and not well, you know, not um, it's not they're not fully reopening. It's not a full scale reopening at all, but they're like slowly starting to. So maybe that's a positive sign for July and who knows it's all unknown but do, do you have any kind of final thoughts to me on any on anything at all did you were you interested in watching the uh the kickers and punters and whatnot or the kicker and punter long snapper any thoughts on those guys yeah can't leave them out um as rich Eisen says they're, they're people too that is true i don't though <laughs> they, they didn't bring up any uh any undrafted well it's a big year for cam johnson because he's going to be a restricted free agent after this season okay so he needs to do well to get that next Because <laughs> Elliot and uh, Lovato got their extensions last year. They did. So they did. Johnson's next. Elliot got a decent contract, didn't he? He did. I don't remember what it was. So did Lovato. Pro Bowl snapper. Yeah, so final thoughts. You you mentioned the uh, the bubble before. I feel like we spend an inordinate number of time in the bubble during OTAs. 
Does that seem like As, does that seem right to I, you? I don't think I don't think we had a single day in the bubble last year no? in camp. Okay. Oh, yeah, training camp. camp. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, which is like rare. I feel like there's usually at least one. But yeah, usually, you know, like they say, May showers bring June flowers. And there weren't like any excessively like just heaters last year. No. I remember back in like the back in the back in the Lehigh days when <laughs> like I mean it was it would get hot as hell there. Like it would it'd be like over a hundred there, and it felt worse somehow there than it did in Philly. Yeah, the only practice I ever went to up there it was like the last year they they did it in 2012. It was just horrible. I remember, <laughs> and I also remember not bringing water or Gatorade. I thought like they would. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good idea. Well, I thought they would take it, you know, because like a lot of the stuff you go to nowadays, like they just they don't let you bring any kind of stuff. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. So I thought they were gonna like take it away, and yeah, it was a bad idea. <laughs> I was dying. The, the Lehigh did. I remember, like, uh, side note here, they like you'd stand on the side, like as media, you'd stand on the sideline, and the bleachers were behind you, and people in the stands would be like, "Get out of the way! We can't see! <laughs> we can't see! Like, where do you want me to go?" So if I move over yeah. a step or two, I'm just going to be blocking somebody else instead. Well, that's fine, as long as you're not blocking <laughs> the loud person. Yeah. The one moment that I, I don't know if I've, if I ever told the uh, Mike Kafka pass story. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Should I just tell it anyway because I brought it up now? Because people are going to want to know that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So there's new listeners. Yeah. So my low light athletically, maybe in my life, (laughs) was uh, at an Eagles uh, training camp practice. Mike Kafka threw. I I don't know if he threw the ball away or if it was just a bad throw, but he threw it to the sideline. And uh, it was actually like a perfect spiral. It was like a super easy, what should have been a super easy ball to catch. And to note, like. Mike, Mike Kafka, we, you and I may think of him like rag arm, but, you know, compared to me and you, that guy's got a cannon, right? So, like, you make it in the NFL, you have a cannon. So, that ball had, like, a little bit of heat on it. No no worries. I, like, I had my little pad in my hand, just calmly dropped that on the ground, had my hands up. It was basically, like, you know, forehead high, a little higher than my forehead, actually, and uh, confident that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch this ball and right through my hands drop like like it's worse than Aguilar it's worse than any Aguilar job has has ever had in my opinion wow and the entire bleachers behind me just immediately <laughs> it was bad you deserved it in the fairness <laughs> oh for sure no no I would I would have booed me too no doubt you have any final thoughts buddy uh just you know check out our work still we're still producing stuff even though there's no practices happening uh, I might have some OTA content that uh, might be fictional. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, obviously, follow both of us on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky for Jimmy, at Brandon Gowton for me. Follow this podcast account on Twitter, which you should, at BGN underscore radio. Help follow the Bleeding Green Twitter account. Get us over 100,000 followers. I'm making a $100 donation to a charity of your choice, which you can leave in the comments of a post on BGN once we do get over the 100K. So let's do that. And uh, check me out on Cameo, Brendan Lee Young, cameo.com slash Brendan Lee Young. You have any, right. uh, before we go, uh, you have any, or is that the end of the podcast there? <laughs> uh, it's up to you, Jimmy. We're still talking. <laughs> Do you have any uh, training camp or uh, OTA memories? Oh, I'll save those. It's a long off season. Okay. That's fair. Tease right. it for another time. Well, goodbye, everybody, then. See ya. P-G-N. <laughs>